0: Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh.
1: In the midst of the craziness of life, just learn to enjoy the journey.
0: Life for most of us is full of schedules, deadlines, meetings, running here and there, and a whole lot more. Life is full, all right, but is life wonderful?
1: So much of what life is, yes, it's a mess. Yes, it's hard at times, but how much better off are we all when we just enjoy the journey?
0: I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Well, Christmas is behind us and a new year is knocking at the door. We pray that you all had a joyous Christmas this year. Certainly 2014 is full of promise, but before we rush handle, into a new year, we thought we'd take one more week focused on the Christmas story.
1: One more character, or in this case, characters, that give us an opportunity to see what is necessary to have a wonderful life.
0: Today, Pastor Clay is winding up his series entitled, It's a Wonderful Life. Each week we've looked at a different character in the Christmas story and a characteristic about their life that can help us have a wonderful life. And today we come to the story of the wise men found in Matthew chapter 2.
1: God revealed to them that the Savior had been born and that they were to go and worship this newborn king.
0: We don't know a lot about these star chasers, but as Pastor Clay is going to explain in today's message, if we pay attention, we can learn the key to a wonderful life of purpose. Now here's Pastor Clay. I lead you to the
1: cross. Hey, this is the last week of our series It's a Wonderful Life, our Christmas uh, series, and I know that we're already past uh, Christmas. Uh, I've always been one that didn't like to rush past uh, the Christmas season, like to linger there just a little bit longer. And uh, so we want to spend one more week and it's the last Sunday in 2013. Can you all believe that? The last Sunday in 2013. 2014 is is right around the corner. Today we're taking one more opportunity to look at one more character or in this case characters uh, that uh, give us a uh, Give us an opportunity to see what is necessary to have a wonderful life. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what your purpose in life is? Do you know what your personal purpose in life is? Maybe, maybe I should ask this uh, first. Do you have a purpose in life is there a reason for you and or me to be here now if you ask the atheist the atheist would say no no there, there there is no grand plan there is no purpose we're all just little creatures that who spend a little bit of time on this little planet hurtling through space and then we're not there is no purpose there is no Plan, there's nothing to this, it's just existence. Not surprisingly, I disagree with that assessment of life. But what's interesting about it is that, that not just me, or not just uh, preachers or theologians, writers and, and, and poets and uh, scholars and theologians and scientists uh, throughout really throughout the history of man have uh, investigated and demonstrated and celebrated the fact that, yes, there is purpose to life. There is purpose for why we are here. So, I come back to that question that I started with. Do you know what your purpose in life is? It seems to me that that's a pretty important question for us to deal with, especially if we're planning on, desiring to live a wonderful life. Uh, If you uh, brought your Bible with you this morning, uh, open it to Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east... "...and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born." Herod didn't know the scriptures, obviously, himself, so he calls in those that might know, and he says, "...hey, hey, where is this Messiah, this Savior, this new king to be born?" And they said to him, and they quoted Micah 5 2 as the Old Testament text In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, "Uh, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return by, to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Hey, let's talk. About purpose. And and some of the things that we need to know, maybe three ideas that we need to keep in mind when we're talking about uh, this idea of purpose of life. We're going to start with this one uh, this morning. Get a hold of your purpose. Seek God's will. First thing, if we're going to find out what our purpose is, then it makes sense to start with finding out what our purpose is. So, get a hold of your purpose. And if you want to get a hold of your purpose, you have to seek God's will. Let me read again verses uh, one and two in this story. You now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Herod was was a, a ruler in Jerusalem or in Israel at that time. Uh, now, Rome ruled the world. World, ...including Israel, but Rome would set up puppet governments that would answer to ultimately to Rome. And Herod was one of these puppet kings, if you will. He had a great amount of authority and a great amount of, of uh, wealth and all that kind of stuff that went along with, with being the guy that Rome selected. But he was a king uh, at that time. In the days of Herod the king, magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying... Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now, the truth is, we really know very little about these guys. I mean, we, we, we really don't know a whole lot about them. We don't know how many there were. Tradition has taught us that there were three because three gifts were given. But we don't really know how many magi or wise men that there were. We don't really know where they were from. All we know is the text tells us that they came from the east. Well, if you look at a map of Israel, the only thing to the east of Israel for about 700 miles is desert. I mean, there's just not much out there. So they probably came from at least that far, probably uh, an area around uh, ancient Persia, perhaps as much as a thousand miles away, some scholars believe that they were part of an ancient religion uh, known as Zoroastrianism, uh, which uh, in part of its uh, its practices was the study of of stars and star systems and and all of that kind of stuff that That may or may not be true i don 't know, but what we do know is true is that these men knew that a new king had been born in Israel and that they were to go and see this new king, that a new significant king had been born in Israel. And I say significant king because, quite honestly, there's a lot of kings back then. I mean, every country had, uh, had a king or two laying around somewhere. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, uh, to put it bluntly, uh, kings tended to have a lot of babies. They, they they tended to have a lot of children because many of them had had lots of wives and concubines and you know whoever else all that kind of deal uh, and so uh, it's it's you know there were there were lots of kings and I I kind of doubt if these guys loaded up the camel uh, camels and headed out of town every time a new king was born no there was something significant about this one there was something different and. And the, the only explanation that I can come up with as to why these guys would do what they did is that God revealed it to them. God revealed to them that this king, this Messiah, this savior had been born in, in Israel, this place where they most, almost certainly had never been to before, and that they were to go and worship this newborn king. If you're going to find out what your purpose in life is, you have to start by getting a hold of your purpose. And if you want to get a hold of your purpose, ladies, and if you and I want to really get a hold of our purpose, we have to find out what God's will is. Because if we are followers of Jesus, especially if we are followers of Jesus, but you could say this basically about everybody. I'll talk about that in just a second. Um, every person's purpose is... is Intricately connected to God's will. Now, when we talk about uh, finding God's purpose, uh, there are two aspects of, uh, or when we talk about finding uh, our purpose, there are two aspects of God's will that you and I need to keep in mind. There is first uh, God's general will. This is, there is God's uh, general will, and, and listen, I know this is not the glamorous one, right? This is not the one that everybody wants to get to. You know, I want to know what, what my special, specific will, you know, what God has for my life and what my purpose is and all that kind of stuff. Listen to me. This is, this is, this is important. If you don't get this one right, if we don't get God's general will right, none of the rest of it matters. You, you can forget about special will, specific We'll get to that in a minute. But just forget about it if we don't get this one right. God's general will... I believe, applies to every person, everywhere, every time. It is God's general will for His creation. And, although you could probably use numerous verses, God's general will can be summed up, I believe, in one verse. It happens to be one of my life verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 says this. Now, all have been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God... And keep his commands, for this is the duty of all mankind. One translation says this is the whole duty of man. I mean, you really, you can sum it up right there. All been heard. After everybody's finished talking, everybody's got their ideas, everybody's thinking, well, I think this, well, I feel this, well, I... After everybody's been heard, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. And and most of you probably know this, but this idea of fear is not not just this, you know, cowling down, scared kind of fear. Although that is an element in this idea, but it is an awe. It is respect for who God is and all that God is. To awe and reverence God and keep his, what? Say it commands and keep his commands for this is the duty of all mankind that is God's general will now listen to your pastor a minute this is why I harp on you implore you beg you if I have to to become students of God's word I'm not talking about somebody that just occasionally dip their, dips their toe into the water. I'm talking about someone that plunges headfirst into the deep end of the pool of God's wisdom and knowledge that is found in his word. This is why I'm always talking about whether it's whether it's one-on-one mentoring that I'm doing, whether it's in life group, whether it's church overall, that I'm always talking about the importance of Pouring your life into the word of God. Pouring the word of God into your life. Becoming a student of the word of God. Because God's general will, ladies and gentlemen, is revealed in the word of God. Do you understand? God's general will for all of mankind is found right within the pages of this book. Right here. Let's suppose that you're driving down the road one day. It's a great day, it's a beautiful day. You're enjoying your time in the car, you're not fighting traffic, it's smooth sailing, you're going along pretty good. And then these these real real pretty multicolored lights show up in your rearview mirror. And so you know what that means, you have to pull over. And a very kind officer approaches your vehicle, and after asking for license and registration, the very kind officer says, Ma'am, do you know that you are going 70 in a 55-mile-per-hour speed zone? Now, of course, ladies, I am picking on you. <laughs> now, of course, of course ladies, you, you, you had no idea that you were doing 70 in a 55 because you would never go that fast over the speed limit, ever. And so, you say to the nice officer... Nice officer, I I sure, I was doing 70 miles an hour, but I sure did not see any 55 mile per hour speed limit signs posted. I I didn't see any of those anywhere. To which the nice officer replies, Ma'am, I can assure you the speed limit signs were posted. Here's your ticket. Have a nice day. Now, whether whether you were uh, daydreaming, whether you were deep in conversation with the person sitting next to you, whether you were texting, or whether you just chose to ignore them. The fact is, if the, if the speed limit signs are posted, you are responsible. Whether you see them or not, right? You are responsible, Ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to the general will of God, the signs are posted, and you are responsible. Oh, but well, I, but I didn't know, or or I, I I didn't that wasn't in daily bread today, or I, I didn't come across that. It uh, uh It doesn't. The signs are posted. So, so when 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 myself or anyone of our guys that are preaching or whatever. When we when we talk about, for instance, when we talk about sharing uh, our faith. It's it's not. Listen, it's not just about helping introduce people to Jesus and 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 being a part of of saving them from eternity in hell. Although that certainly ought to be plenty of motivation uh, to want to do it. But it's not just about that, ladies and gentlemen. God's general will is very specific about sharing the message of Christ with the around us. And so if you and I do not do that, we are not coming up under obedience to his general will, which for our general purpose. And so forget about, uh, well, does God want me to go here? Does God want me to... Forget about all that stuff. If you can't get this right, I, I just don't... This is just me personally, I think, but I mean, I can back it up with Scripture. I don't think God's under any obligation to take you any farther in in the journey of the of the purposes and plans that he has for you until you begin to come up under obedience to his general will for your life. Do you understand? Does that make sense? When when we talk about whether it's in a life group study or or uh, when when our when our uh our, our teachers are teaching our kids or however the study uh, comes about. But when we talk about the, the kind of husband you should be or the kind of wife that you should be or the kind of employer that you should be or the kind of employee that you should be or the kind of neighbor that you should be or the ty- uh, type of uh, child you should be or the type of parent that you should be, we talk about how those things, uh, how we ought to act in those things. It's all right here. It's all revealed in God's general will for our lives. And if, and if, I, just, if I just blow it off, I, I, don't, I don't care. Or I don't. This I don't want to do this, or this is how I feel, or this is whatever. And and you can you can pray till the cows come home. Oh God, I just want to know Your will for my life. Should I do this? Should I not do that? Should this happen? Should I do? Yeah, you can do? I think you can do that all you want. But if you until you learn to become submissive to His general will, what what He's already revealed to you. You understand? And on and on we go. Listen, I don't, I don't do it a lot. I don't, I don't talk about it a lot. But, but when we talk about uh, tithing, money in general, if you do not, I mean, the signs are posted so clearly. And if you don't come underneath God's obedience in this area of your life and your general will, then, then you're always going to be scratching your head and saying, well, I, I just don't know what God wants for me. I don't want, God wants, to, wants me to do. Start here. Start here. God's general will. And then, of course, there is God's specific will, his special will. That's when we all want to get to, right? All right, I want to know, what does God want me to do tomorrow and next week? And now, we already established the fact that a lot of what God wants you to do is just his general will. You come under obedience to him. You live your life in a way that honors and glorifies him by submitting to his general will. For how you should be as a person, what you should do with your money, your time, uh, your, 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 what comes out of your mouth. All of these things that make you the person that God desires for you to be. But it is his special will. And I think that we can establish that God had a special or specific uh, will for these magi, these wise men. Now, I should say that God's special or specific will can alter, it can vary, it can can change at different times. This was was something for their lives for a particular period of their time. But a couple things uh, to keep in mind when we talk about God's special will. First one, uh, no preconceived notions. When you begin to, to uh, seek God's face and say, God, I, I just, I need to hear from you. I want to know uh, what your plans and purposes are uh, in, in your timing for me. You have to enter that conversation with no preconceived notions. In other words, you cannot go uh, into the uh, conversation uh, with ideas about how you think it should go or how you think God is going to use you or how you think you're put together or how you think it's going to turn out. You cannot enter that conversation with those preconceived notions. For example, you cannot, you cannot say, well, I know it's going to be God's will for me uh, to go to a remote part of the world where there's no electricity and no plumbing and no Facebook and live out the rest of my life sharing the message of Jesus with a people group that have never heard it. You cannot assume that that is God's will for your life. But at the same time, you cannot assume that it is not God's will for you to go to some remote part of the earth where there is no electricity and no plumbing and no Facebook and live out the rest of your life sharing the message of Jesus with a people group that have never heard it. Do you understand? You cannot assume either way. You cannot assume what you think. Well, I, I think I'm gifted in this area, so, so I think God will do this. He may. He may. He's God. But you cannot assume it, and you need to leave all those preconceived notions at the door when you enter into this conversation with God. About God, what do you specifically have for my life? No preconceived notions. Second one, no preexisting conditions. This is a big one. Well, God, if you'll if you'll promise me that my kids will all be safe and turn out right, I'll I'll do anything you want. I'll I'll go anywhere you want. Or, uh, God, as long as I don't have to get up in front of people and talk, I'll, I'll do anything that you want. All of that is pre-existing conditions. And all of that has to be laid at the at the very throne of God. You have to lay it all down and say, God, uh, and really, what the conversation, and I, and I wrote it out last night as I was just praying through this. And I thought that, that just this idea of praying, Father, I come before you with no... Uh, with no preconceived notions of how you're going to do this thing or how you're going to use me or what you're going to do with me or how long I'll be here or how this will turn out. I, I, I'm, I'm laying those at your feet and I bring no pre-existing uh, conditions to you. I don't, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know how you're going to use me. I don't, but I, I, I know this, God. I know that you, that you don't play Let's Make a Deal. Some of you remember that game? Or Monty Hall, you'd win something and Monty Hall would come in and he'd say, now you can keep that or you can trade it for what's behind curtain number three. God doesn't play, let's make a deal. God doesn't barter for your surrender to him. Do you understand? Father, I, I, I bring none of those things to you. Father, I have no preconceived notions. Father, I have no pre-existing conditions. Watch this. But Father, I have every expectation that you will accomplish your purposes through me because I'm surrendering it all to you. It's yours. I'm yours. Every ounce of energy, every second that I have in my life, every penny that I that I uh, have, every possession that I own, every relationship that I have, Father God, every bit of it is yours. And if you do that, if 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 you get to that place where, as best you know how, and listen, I know. We talk all day about sinless perfection. None of us ever reach sinless perfection. I know we don't get it right all the time. But if you are living as best you know how, as revealed in God's will, in, in, in His general will for your life, you're trying to come up underneath obedience to Him. You're trying to learn how to do this. You're striving for it. You're not ignoring it. You're not... If you're doing that, and if you leave the preconceived notions and the pre-existing conditions at the door, then you can have every expectation that God will continue. He may have already in your life in different ways, but you have every expectation that God will continue to direct your path and accomplish the purposes that He has for you. Get a hold of your purpose. You have to seek God's will. Second, get on with your purpose. Stir up the dust. Verse 3 uh, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. You know, a new king shows up. This, this can't be good for the current king. That's what, that's what Herod's thinking. He was a very jealous king anyway. Gathering all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet and and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. If you're familiar with the rest of the story, you know why he's doing this. He wants to know when the child was born, because he's going to try and eliminate what he sees as a threat to his, his kingdom. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I may too may come and worship him. We know that was a ruse. We know that his intention was to murder uh, the newborn king. And after hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them. Until it came and stood over the place where the child was. Get on with your purpose. Stir up the dust. Listen, you can think, if you thought about it, you can probably think of 10,000 reasons for them to not make this journey, for them to not make this trip. It, it, was, it was long, pretty conservative estimate that they, they were, could have been gone as much as two years. Some, some people even believe that it could have been as much as two years in either direction. But probably two years, it was going to be costly, it was going to be dangerous. I mean, all that, all that stuff. You know, when you You think you get? You think you get a, a an idea of of a purpose or this? And you think uh, all this? All of a sudden, you start thinking about all this stuff, right? Hey, and how would you like to have to go in and tell your wife that you and your buddies are going to take a little trip, see you in a couple years? How did that one go over? How would you like to not be able to tuck your kids in for two years? No FaceTime, no Skype. Danger from from uh, the elements. Possible danger from accidents, danger from raiding parties and warring factions, and wild animals and and everything else. I mean, you, you start you start thinking about that stuff, and you think, like, eh, right? Does that ever happened to you? And then there's the whole uh, there's the whole self doubt thing. Y'all, y'all ever had, had any of that? Well, I, I, how, how do I know that this is really what God wants? I mean, may, maybe I just maybe I just dreamed this up. Maybe this is just something I just want to do myself. Maybe this is just have y'all ever had any of that, or is that just me? How do I, maybe, maybe this is just, I don't know, you know, whether this is, right? But listen, ladies and gentlemen, here's the point. Here's the thing. All this journey, all this time, all this effort, they got on with it. They packed up the camels and they got on with it. There was lots of reasons to second guess, lots of reasons to doubt whether this was true. Lots of reasons. I mean, who knows? What are the guys down at the Zoroastrianism Lodge going to think about them if they, if they go out there? What if we don't even find this king when we get there? But there comes a point, ladies and gentlemen, where all the, where all the purposes and all the planning, all the preparing have to make way for the doing. There comes a point where you just have to, you just have to stir up the dust and get on with, with God's purposes and plans for your life and stop worrying about this or thinking about that or is this... I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that nobody wants to run ahead of God Right? And God's plan. Nobody wants to get ahead of God. But, but I'm convinced that most of us uh, don't get started, not because we're ahead of, afraid of running ahead of God, but because of fear that we're not going to accomplish it or that it's not really what God wants for our lives. Or, and, and you just, you just got to get on with it sometimes in your life. You got to make some determinations and move forward in your life. I can think of instances in, in my life. You can probably think of instances in your life where there came critical moments where you, you'd been sensed this or you're seeking God's will and you think this and not that, but there comes this point where sooner or later you, you have to pull the trigger or not. You have to move forward or, or not. And part of being in God's will and discovering your purpose and, and fulfilling your purpose in life is understanding that, that at some point you just, you just got to move forward in this thing. All right. <clears throat> Let me give you uh, one more. Get done with your purpose. Stay the course. Get a hold of it, get on with it, and get done with it. Stay the course. Look look at uh, verse uh, 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. The implication of the text is is that the star was not always with them. I don't even think it's an implication. I think it's pretty plainly saying that. Maybe the star uh, disappeared the night Jesus was born. Maybe it disappeared somewhere on the journey once they headed out. But at some point, they were literally walking in the dark. And boy, howdy. (laughs) That's when you better know for sure that what you're doing is God's will for your life. When it's dark, when it's not clear, when you're taking that next step and you're not sure where it's going to lead, that's when you've got to know. That's when you've got to be so immersed in God's word and so sensitive to his spirit, Because if you don't, you'll shrink back, you'll turn back, you'll give up. You've got to push through. You've got to see this thing done. You've got to complete all that God has for your life. Now I said earlier, God's special will for your life uh, takes different shapes and forms. And and it may be uh, at one particular point in your life, God has a a plan for you to go and, and minister to and speak to this person or make a difference in their life. And you may not see how it's working, but God's using it. And another time it may be uh, to, to go over here and do this or, or to accomplish this or, or whatever else. But it's pushing through. It's seeing this thing to the end. For as long as God gives you days, right, to continue to see this thing to the end, I'm going to finish what God has started in my life. Finishing the thing. Um, there's this story in uh, the book of Exodus this glorious story where God leads the people of Israel out of captivity. Maybe you're familiar with it. And he uses Moses to lead them out of captivity. And they come out of Egypt and they head down towards the promised land. And they end up right in front of the Red Sea. And in the meantime, uh, Pharaoh's heart has become hard again. He's decided, why did I ever let those... Uh, Israelites go, I'm going after them, and and Pharaoh and all of his armies come rushing out uh, to get Israel, to get the the Israelites. And they, you know, you can see it, they come over the hill, and there's the Egyptian army, and here's Israel trapped in this little corner of the desert, right against the water. And the Egyptian, I mean, the Israelites begin to cry out, oh, oh, (laughs) why, why did we do this? Why did we listen to Moses? It would have been better to remain a slave and stay in Egypt than to come out here and die in the wilderness. And Moses gives this really spectacular faith statement. Moses says, hey, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, hey, cool your jets. Just just uh, stand still. You won't even have to fight. You don't have to just stand still and, and watch, watch the hand of God move. Very, right? Very powerful faith statement. And in Exodus, I think it's chapter 15, verse 14, uh, God responds uh, by saying this, uh, 14, 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. You gotta get on with this thing. You gotta stir up the dust and you gotta finish this thing. I've I've made it your purpose to take you into this land. and, And I think, man, Moses is giving this real faith statement and God's like, what, what? what (laughs) now think about what makes it funny is that their toes are probably in the water because the egyptians are coming and they trying to get as far away their toes are probably in the water see that's that that's the faith walk folks right your feet ever in the water you ever feel like your feet are in the water if i take another step i'm gonna drown but you gotta finish the thing you gotta push forward for as long as god gives you life let let me get to that let me give you a little free advice y'all want some free advice this morning this is free advice Now, feel free to leave your tithes as you go out, but this is free advice. (laughs) Uh, No, here we go. Let me give you some free advice. First, forget the cost. Listen, you you have to live with this. You have to forget the cost. Uh, Newsflash, there is a cost to following Jesus in this world. And anybody that tries to tell you differently is crazy. And you're crazy if you think that it's all uh, blue skies and and swaying palm trees and uh, frozen Snicker ice cream bars. You're crazy. All right, that's not it. It is hard to follow Jesus in this world. You sell out. And that's what we've sung about it this morning. I was listening to Dr. Stanley this morning was talking about it in his message, the same idea that when you sell out, when you give this thing wholeheartedly, and that's what it takes, right? Got to come under his general will. I'm going to determine his specific will. And, and it's this full surrender sell out. John read about it from Spurgeon this morning. It's the same idea. I, I, I'll never forget uh, one of my uh, one of my degrees uh, at, when I graduated my second degree at Southeastern Seminary, um, I think Bill Hopkins and Joe Sams were in that same graduating class. I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but in the, in the rehearsal, in graduation rehearsal, Dr. Aiken, uh, the president of the seminary, uh, stood in front of everybody, and, you know, Binkley Chapel was, you know, there's a lot of guys in there. It holds 2,000 people, but there's, I don't know, 2, 3, 4, 500, many people were graduating. I don't even remember now. But uh, he, he stands in front of everybody, and he says, listen to me. He said, look around you. He says, 10 years from now, of you won't even be in ministry anymore. And listen, I can tell you that. I've got good friends who were excited about ministry, excited about serving God, excited about laying it all on the altar of God and all that he had for them, who are no longer in ministry today because of the hurt, because of the pain, because of what's been done to them. There is a cost to following Jesus. And and you just have to be conscious of this idea. I have to forget the cost. Uh, Second idea remember who got you here, right? Because in the midst of the hurt and the pain and all that kind of stuff, there is still this truth that if you will look at your life, if you'll examine your life and you will look at... Now, I know we don't always see it. I know sometimes we're like, what in the world are you doing, God? But if you and I will take opportunity... You can find, you can find instances in your life where God got you through this situation, or God worked in that situation, or God provided for this, or God gave grace here, or God comforted you there, or God provided a check when you needed it, or or whatever it might be. If if you will look at those instances, see, that's what you gotta do. You gotta remember who got you here. You gotta remember who got you this far in life. I see that hand, sister. I see that testimony. You gotta remember, hey, God got me this far. God brought me this far. God's not gonna abandon me. God's not gonna leave me. God's not gonna bail out on me you you got you to remember that when it hurts and when it's dark and when it's uncertain and when you don't know and you're second-guessing and you're wondering and you're not even sure. and it, Forget the cost. Remember who got you here. Third, enjoy the journey. Listen, in the midst of all the pain and all the hurt, and there is. It is. But there is also joy in the journey of following Jesus Christ. There really is, folks. There really is. I've had my share of hurt. My wife's had her share of hurt. Y'all have had your share of hurt. But, but when you stop and you think and you look around and you say, man, this life was touched. This person was impacted. This difference was made over here. We made a difference here. We did this. We did that. Can you just sometimes, in the midst of the craziness of life, just learn to enjoy the journey? Just learn to, learn to laugh more. It's, you know, it's good to laugh. Just, just learn to laugh more. Can I encourage you this? learn to look around more? Just look around and appreciate what you see and, and the beauty of it and what you have and, and how God works. And just to laugh and, and to look around and to appreciate so much of what life is. Yes, it's a mess. Yes, it's hard at times. Yes, it's uncertain. But if you, if you focus on that stuff, you'll, you'll sink down into a slew of despair and, and discouragement and uncertainty. And how much better off are we all when we can just enjoy the journey? And say, God, this is hard at times. God, I'm so grateful for your grace in my life that continues to to bring me along. You you haven't left me yet. You're not going to leave me in this. And Father God, can I just thank you for the beauty of this day? Can I thank you for how that person blessed me and how they ministered to me? Can I thank you for this opportunity that I had to share Christ with someone? Can I thank you? Just enjoy the journey. And then one more. Expect the finish line. Expect the finish line. I hate to be... What many of you might consider the bearer of bad news. But you all have a terminal illness. You are all going to die. And can I be honest with you? You It's it's funny how we humans so cling to life. And not that that's wrong. I mean, life is precious. Life is valuable. And we we should value every second that we have in this life. But listen, if this book is right. If this book is right then the finish line of this life is nothing more than the starting line of real life. Real, eternal, forever life. And and the finish line isn't something to be feared. It's something to be anticipated. It's something to be celebrated and embraced. I I know know none of us, we we all want to cling to life and be here as long as we can. And we should. God has purposes and plans. That's wonderful. But there is a finish line coming. And if we, if we lived with that expectation in our life, what a difference it will make in this life. You understand? What a difference it makes when we know that there's a finish line coming. Apostle Paul, some of you read these words, no doubt, many times. When he came to the end of his line, when he came to his finish line, 2 Timothy chapter 4, some of the very last words that he ever wrote before he was executed for his faith in Jesus Christ. Let these words sink into you. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. As an offering to God. He said, That's what he's saying. He said, my whole life, it's, it's, this has been going on ever since I came to Christ. My whole life is an offering to God and I'm just being poured out. By the way, I love the fact that Paul uh, uses a drink offering here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Because a drink offering, you, there's no, you can't get it back up. once you you, it, it's poured out, it's poured out. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. What an incredibly valuable thing to be able to come to the end of your life and say that. I have kept the faith. In the future, here it is. There's that finish line. In the future. Now for Paul, it was only days away. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Expect the finish line. Live in the expectation of the finish line, I, I have a, I have this uh, notation in, in my calendar. It goes off every morning. Uh, this saying, in I, fact, I came up. I mentioned it a year or two ago in a sermon. But every morning, this this goes off on my computer and on my phone. And it's simply this: begin with the end in mind. In other words, every day, I want to live my life every day in the full realization that the end is coming. And that I don't want to waste a single second. I know I do. I know I don't get it right. But I don't want to waste a single second of my life. I want to begin this day with the end in mind. That not only is this day going to come to an end. And I won't ever be able to get it back again. But also there, ultimately there's an the end of all of my days is coming. And I want to live today with purpose. Because if I live my life with purpose. That really, ladies and that really is a wonderful life.
0: Well, we've come to the end of this series. We certainly hope that you found the messages helpful as you look for that wonderful life. Like the wise men, our lives can have significant purpose in the will and plans of God. As Pastor Clay explained, discerning God's will is critical if we're going to find our purpose. Like the wise men, we have to be willing to stir up the dust as we get on with fulfilling our purpose. It's not always easy. As a matter of fact, at times it can be unbelievably hard. But knowing that you are fulfilling the will of God brings immense satisfaction. Our prayer for you in 2014 is that you will discover God's purpose for your life, if you haven't already, and that you will accomplish great things for His honor and glory. If we do that, we can all consider ourselves wise men and women. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross, and it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you.